0: Welcome to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. We put out weekly messages to challenge, encourage, and inspire you. You can send any questions to connect at perryhall.life. If the message speaks to you, go ahead and subscribe for more. Several weeks ago, God laid a question on my heart. That was all I had was a question. The question was this. When was the last time you were truly moldable? And I've been wrestling with that for weeks. And I've been trying to figure out how to come up here and talk about it. And just yesterday, as I've been preparing for this thing, God showed me there's a thing behind the thing. As I've tried to figure out how to talk about being moldable, staying flexible and fully submitted to God, I realize that before you can truly come to grips with the idea of being molded by God, we have to take a look at our lives and ask one question, and that is, what do I value most? Because if it's not God, you're not going to allow him to mold and shape your life. I can encourage you to live a life devoted to the will of God all day, but if he's not your top priority, it won't matter what I say up here. So I guess that's the question before the question, if you will. What do you value most? Is it him? And to be clear, I'm not here to judge your faith. First of all, I'm highly underqualified for that job. But we are naturally bent to live for ourselves. It's in our very nature to look out for number one, or at least it's in our old nature. But Jesus came to change all that. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you truly have accepted Jesus as sacrifice on the cross, asked for forgiveness, and decided to follow him, You have to ask yourself, am I fully submitted to God? Have I given him my whole life? Is Jesus Lord over every part of me, my career, my family, my health, the big decisions and the mundane small ones? If you're a Christ follower, you must be moldable. It's not a one-time decision. In Luke 9, 23, Jesus says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross daily and follow me daily. You must be submitted daily and committed daily. The cross isn't a comfortable idea. I don't think it's anyone's first choice, but that's the imagery we're using here intentionally. And it is the requirement. That is how we become moldable. how we put ourselves in God's hands. So here's the question, the question God posed to me, ask yourself, When was the last time you could say you were truly moldable, ready to be wrong, eager to learn, unashamed of not having all the right answers? Why are we so afraid of being wrong? And why do we feel the need to always be right? We're always proud of not needing help, wisdom, guidance, anything from anyone. The last time I was up here was Independence Day, and I made the statement that your independence depends on who you depend on. We looked at John 15, 5, and that that says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That can be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of us. It can be uncomfortable because the world tells us to be completely independent and self made. But Jesus says we're built to depend on Him. We're designed to need God and need people. We do not naturally want to be moldable. And something about as we grow older, we become less and less open to the idea of being moldable by God or people. We don't want to be told anything. And moldable to your ears might sound a lot like submissive, compliant, impressionable, or yielding. And that's because it is. Those are all synonyms for that word. They have a negative connotation for some reason. But here's some more synonyms for moldable. Adaptable. Flexible, workable, and this is my favorite: transformable. If you want to become something new. If you want to be moldable, you're going to be transformed. We're meant to be molded by God. Scripture tells us He is the Potter; we are the clay. And I want to explore that idea today. In order, in order for us to be moldable, in order for that to happen, we have to understand who we are. We are the creation. We are the created. We are the clay. In Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1 starts out this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. As you look at God as as the great Creator, Genesis one through five, He creates. Let's run down the list. He has the heavens, the earth, light, day and night. Verses six through seven, He creates the sky. Nine through ten, land and sea. Eleven through thirteen, vegetation, plant life, trees. Fourteen through nineteen, sun, moon, and stars. Twenty through twenty three, fish and birds. Twenty four through twenty five, other animals all over the earth. Not till verse twenty six that he even talks about creating humans, creating us. So I guess what I'm saying is let's not think too highly of ourselves. We are the creation, and we are far from the first thing he created. But also let's not think too lowly of ourselves. You may not be the first thing God ever created, but you are his favorite. You're the thing he's the most proud of. Out of everything God made, only we were created in his image. And everything he made before us was made for us. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. He made everything for us because he loves us that much. God's favorite. And everyone who's ever been born was created by God. Psalm 139 and verse 13 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. If you don't think you're a work of art, then you're saying God's a bad artist. You were knit together in your mother's womb. God loves you so much, he sings over you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Think about that for a second. We gather here once a week and we sing God's praises. He's got a song for you. And, and as a songwriter, I selfishly really want to know what that song is. <laughs> God loves you, That's what I'm saying. If you want to be multiple, if you want to serve God's purpose, you have to know who we are. We are the creation. We are the clay. We also have to know who God is. He is the creator, He is the potter. Once we get that perspective, God's up here. He made us, not the other way around. It's not so scary to put ourselves in His hands. The book of Job fascinates me. Job suffered a lot of things, and I won't go through all of it here. He lost his family, lost his land, lost his animals. Lost it all. And for so many chapters, Job does so good. He just continues to talk about how great God is and he will not turn away. Somewhere around chapters 9 and 10, Job finally snaps. And I'm thinking I would have snapped it like verse 1. But he makes it a a really long time and he finally starts questioning God about all the things that's happened. Then we get to Job 38, which is one of my favorite and I think the most terrifying chapters in all of the Bible. In Job 38, God's allowed Job to speak his peace. His friends have spoke their peace. Now it's his turn. 38.1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Verse 3 is terrifying. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Did you know God could be sarcastic? Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and their upraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. This goes on. God was patient for a long time. And he had something to say. And it's just, I'm bringing this up to understand we're the creation. He's the creator. It's okay. I tell my kids all the time. It's okay to have feelings. It's okay to feel sad, to question things, and to bring them to God. But we don't have to doubt his purpose in our life. And if you want to be fully committed to God, you have to go through Jesus. And Jesus and God the Father are one. They are one and the same. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome. You have to decide if you want to be molded by God, if he is your highest priority. If you do, that starts with Jesus. If that's what you want, if you want God to be the potter and you to be the clay, I've watched probably a 1,000 videos on pottery over the last two weeks. I almost bought a potter's wheel. <laughs> but then I was sure I wouldn't actually do it. But there are some steps here, and I love that scripture uses very specific analogies or parables, they use things that translate so well And as you watch a potter at work, again, I'm not one, but I've seen all the videos on the internet about it. There are some common steps. One thing is the first thing they do is they get the clay centered or balanced. If you're taking notes today, if you want to be molded, this is step number one. You need to be centered. After they've kneaded all of the air bubbles out and they've got everything packed the way they want it, they make sure it is centered on the wheel. The entire time the wheel is spinning, their two hands keep it centered. Hebrews 12, one through three says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is the important part, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Pause there. You gotta be centered on Jesus. That's what I'm getting at here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you want to put yourself in God's hands, you need to be centered in Jesus. He's got to be your anchor. He's got to be your path and your destination. When you make decisions big or small, you've got to bring them to him. Check them by his word. You've got to pray through these things. 1 Corinthians ten thirty one says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. It all comes back to him all your life's choices. So to get the clay centered, if they're making a pot, the next thing they do is they open it. You need to be opened. They literally take their hands and they turn the clay instead of this big just pile of clay, they turn it into a vessel. They hollow out the inside. We got to be open before the Lord. Like truly open. Psalm 139 verse one says, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. This sounds like someone who is open before the Lord, and that's because it is. God already knows everything about you, but he wants you to bring it to him. David is welcoming this in this psalm. Um, before a word is on my tongue, do you, Lord, know it completely? You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me Ask him to search you. Ask him to. you bring everything to him first. You got to be open before the Lord. You got to be open before people. You've heard me say it a lot of times. You need people in this life. You're not meant to go through this whole journey alone. You need other believers in your life. You need good people. Choose wisely. Don't just hand the keys to your inner life to anybody. Put them to the test us in here are very blessed to have a spouse a sibling a mother a father a child someone that we know we can go to and be completely open and just lay it all bare James five sixteen says therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective you probably heard me talk about it before but this is a life changing verse for me you're open to the Lord you confess your sins to him you're forgiven that's done but if you want to move past those sins that you keep falling into, take it to a person. Someone who genuinely cares, who's genuinely invested and wants to see you do well, get together with them. Something will happen like you've never seen in your life before. Confess your sins to each other. People are important. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You need people for accountability. You need people to hold your feet to the fire. You need people to make you better. I'm not going to look at her because she'll kill me, but one of the best things about my wife who's here today, she'll let me know the instant I'm out of line, the instant I'm not living up to who I'm supposed to be. You need that in your life. The potter centers the clay. He opens the clay, and then he lifts, lifts, I can't speak, lifts, there you go, the clay to however, whatever height he wants it to be, you need to be lifted. But you don't need to lift yourself up. You don't need to fall into pride. You do not need to toot your own horn. You don't need to praise yourself. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You got to stay humble. It's such an important thing and it's an important part of being multiple. It's an important part of your Christian relationship. It's a job. It's God's job to lift you. Just like it's the potter's job to lift the clay. People are part of that process too. Raise your hand if you know someone who's always bragging. Now, point at them if they're here. I'm just kidding. Don't do that part. Proverbs <laughs> 27 2 says, Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider and not your own lips. Humility across the board. God will do the lifting. Let other people do the lifting. And if other people are lifting you up, if they're giving you praise, if they're talking about how great you are, don't feed off of that. Accept it. Be grateful. But don't let that be the thing that drives you. Nobody needs to be their own hype man. You need to be centered. You need to be open. You need to be lifted. Step four is the potter shapes the clay. You need to be shaped by God personally. This is where this whole thing comes from. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Only God knows who you're truly meant to be. Only God knows who that new creation inside of you is. He knows your purpose. This, this is a, a quote that's attributed to Michelangelo. I would love to tell you that I know for sure it's Absolutely from him, but I was not alive back then, but I've done the best I can, but I still like the idea. It says the sculpture is already complete within the marble block before I start my work. It is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. God already knows who you are. He's chiseling away all the things that hold you back from being that creation he intended in the first place. You gotta be shaped. You're shaped by people too, for better or worse. The company you keep, whoever you hang with, whoever you make part of your inner life, they're going to shape who you are. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Think about the people you're spending your time with. Then Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Are they building you up or are they tearing you down? Which way is it going? This is my favorite, Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's a person who wants you to be who you're supposed to be. That, that's a kneel. If you get nothing out of this message, everybody needs a kneel. He's right there if you want to talk to him too, by the way. He'll be back in the back after service. You need good people in your life. You just do. And you need to cut out the ones who are tearing you down. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You've you got to be centered in Jesus, you've got to be open to the Lord and people, you've got to be lifted by God and people need to be shaped. And the last, last phase is the potter fires the clay. Puts it in a kiln that's insanely hot. You need to be fired. You need to be tested. You need to be tried. If the pot doesn't go through that last step of the process, it's not complete. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I, every time I read verse 2, it drives me crazy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Pure joy? <laughs> Can I just accept it? Is that not good enough? But this, this is that process of going into the fire. It's joyful because it is stripping away everything that's not supposed to be there and it is solidifying who you're supposed to be. The perseverance, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And this is a process, if, if we're talking purely pottery, it's, it's one and done, we're done with it. This is a process you'll walk through your whole life. There will always be trials, there will always be temptations. That's just part of being a Christian. want to be moldable you got to be centered you got to be opened lifted shaped and fired normally when i come up here i don't like to just tell you stuff and not tell you what to do about it i have some action steps actually today so if you didn't write anything else down write these down the first action step number one is this join talks a lot about needing people needing accountability needing encouragement those kind of things You've heard for the last, I don't know, several weeks about the small groups relaunching. That's what those are for. It's not just because we're bored and we want to see people on random nights of the week. I mean, that's cool too. Small groups are where church goes beyond Sunday morning. It's where you find accountability. It's where people are consistently praying for the things you need prayer for. It's where you're reading and studying God's word together. So I want you to go either scan the QR code in front of you or go to perryhall.life and click on the groups tab. Find one that's open. Some of them are closed by now, and that's okay. Listen, if 100 people today go and sign up for groups, we'll figure it out, we'll open more groups. You don't have to worry about that end of it. That's step number one, join. Step number two is the one that, if I'm honest, I really struggle with, and that's listen. I want you to take 10 minutes a day, every day this week, starting today. I know there's football games, but you have other time. I like football, too. I'm no judging. I want you to take 10 minutes to pray. This is what I want you to pray. Ask God what he wants for your life. And that's your first two minutes. Here's the challenging part. For eight minutes, I want you to sit in silence and listen. Just allow God to speak to you. Open up. Two minutes every day. Ask God what he wants from you. Take eight minutes. Listen and expect I'm not saying you're going to have a burning bush in your living room. If you do, take a picture. But throughout your week, as you're praying this prayer, and not only in your prayer time, but as you go throughout your week, expect God to speak through conversations with other people, through the Bible when you open it up, through circumstances. Why do we talk to Him if we don't expect Him to reply? Are we crazy people? Ask God what He wants and then listen. Action step number three is just confess. Search out your own life. I'm 42 years old, and I I don't think a full year of my life has gone by when I didn't discover a sin that I didn't even realize was a part of my life. As you go through the firing process, as these things melt away, there's new layers. So go deep into your own heart, your mind. Find anything you haven't confessed to God. Just bring it out. Join a group. Pray and listen. Confess. Those are your action steps today. I'm going to ask the prayer team. They will be on this side and that side. It doesn't have to be about this. You just want to pray about anything in your life, they'll be up here waiting for you. We can go ahead and stand now. I'm going to pray, but I encourage you to, to keep these action steps in mind. And seriously, if you need prayer, that's what they're here for. That's why they're here today. Jesus, we thank you that you're in control. We thank you that you're the creator and you didn't leave all this up to us. I pray that we all leave here today seeking to be molded by you. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you want to know more about our church, go to perryhall.life.